Hey everyone, you're listening to the Arts Fuse Presents The Short Fuse Podcast. I am your host, Deanna Costa. Join me on an auditory exploration of our independent mag on the show where we bring you the latest and greatest from our arts criticism community. On today's episode, we will be talking the Grammys. 2020 awards season is in full swing. Everybody has opinions about it. Nobody wants to watch this shit anymore. So I'm going to give you the highlights of my predictions. This will be released uh, the day of the awards. So unfortunately, I will not be able to give you results, but we will talk about it when it happens. We will also be featuring music this week by our previous uh, featured artist, Juniper. They will have the song Regret on display this time around. And as always, we will have a little bit of coming attractions for you. So you heard it right. We are releasing this show today on the same day as the Grammys. This is actually the 62nd Grammy Awards, which is really crazy if you think about how the world has changed between now and 1958. I just, I really have this big theory that award shows are going to die out eventually because it just seems to me that it's, it's not realistic anymore. Like, I think people now want to see something that they can relate to and who the hell can relate to a bunch of celebrities looking lavish, wearing clothes that cost more than my education. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think that um, it does have uh, use, which is why I'm talking about it. Because in a way, I, I don't know about the Oscars. I don't really follow film enough to feel strongly about it. But the Grammys and other music-based award shows, I think it's cool because it's sort of like a Super Bowl for music fans. If you're not really into sports, but you really care about an artist and you wanna see them get recognized. And so I think that's like the only reason why they're still around. It's like this last breath of air of people just really, really supporting their favorite musician. But because of that, it gets kind of dicey in terms of uh, talking about predictions for the Grammys, because if you didn't know, uh, this award show is chosen by industry peeps, um, you know, anywhere from executives, some performers, but mostly producers, uh, sound engineers, people of that variety. So there is a noted difference between who will win versus who should win, um, unfortunately. Sometimes those things do come into cross, but there are 30 categories in the Grammy Awards and there's you know really obvious things like the general category which I'm going to talk about a lot very shortly things like pop EDM rap country all of that such there's also industry awards that everyday people probably really want to care about that they call production yeah so that's for the actual music producers um, there's also music for vis visual media and music videos and film, which I think is kind of a weird overlap. I don't know why the Grammys would feel like they need to 
update their programming to include something like music videos when we already have the MTV Music Video Awards, but then they won't update themselves or modernize themselves in terms of policies such as how they go about choosing artists, how they go about categorizing artists, some of the racist stuff that they do, but they're not as bad as the Oscars, so we can feel at least a little bit better about that. But yeah, in total, there are 84 Grammy Awards, which is a lot. So I'm not going to cover all of the, the random niches, the little holes in the walls, uh, but I am going to talk about the stuff that I know, the main stuff, so that would be the general category, which is usually the, the most heated debate. That is the only time that all of the genres come head to head. And that breaks down into album of the year, record of the year, song of the year, and best new artist. So those are kind of like the big four. That's where a lot of people will watch, you know, the first 20 minutes or so and then just shut the whole rest of the thing off. But I would say uh, five other genres that I find enjoyable and can talk about would be pop, rock, alternative, R&B, and rap. That's pretty much all I know. I learned that there is a difference between album of the year and record of the year because like I said this whole award show was started in 1958. It was a long damn time ago in terms of technology especially. They think of a record of the year as being basically like a recording because when we think about a physical record like on a record player we think of an album but that could also be singles too back in the day that because that's the only way that you could release anything so a record of the year is actually just one song but it is sort of like one song and you're recognizing the performer that produced that song, not the songwriter. So song of the year is giving props to the person that wrote the song, which is a really convoluted ass way of dividing that up. I really don't get that. And then you have album of the year, which is obvious what it is, and best new artist also. That has been a site for a lot of upsets. A lot of people have gotten really frustrated in the past about who um, was considered the best new artist. A lot of the time it seemed like it was really the new most popular artist, not necessarily the best. Um, so you're going to hear me complain about that a lot because that's sort of my general feeling on the people that vote on the Grammys. My biggest and first complaint is that the general category has been, as always, infiltrated with pop, particularly uh, Ariana Grande and Billie Eilish. And I've talked on the show and in my column about my issues with Ariana Grande, so I'm not going to go on that for too long. But if you look in the general category and the pop category, she's nominated for almost everything, for at least one song or her most recent album either way. And I think there are a lot better people that could be in at least one of those spots, if not more than one. Um, Billie Eilish is definitely a talented young performer and I'm interested to see where she will go. We've talked about her on the show before too, but uh, I don't know that I would necessarily call her album of the year. I mean, there's like a fair argument for it. I wouldn't be mad about it. Ariana, I'd be kind of annoyed because I feel like, I don't know, everything she does is a cash grab to me. But I would love to see 
Lana Del Rey or Vampire Weekend get it. I was actually kind of surprised. I felt like the album of the year uh, list this time around was not that impressive. Like there were other people that could have been featured, but the new Vampire Weekend album was really great. Uh, as far as record of the year goes, mostly songs from the nominated albums, which makes sense. Uh, Lil Nas or Lizzo may have a shot. I really, really would like to see either one of them win because I feel like they they are really either that or Best New Artist because they were both nominated for Best New Artist as well. And I think that the people that they represent are so often forgotten, especially at places like the Grammys. And it's not just a situation where if they were to win, it would just be for the sake of recognizing that. Like, they're genuinely talented people. Lil Nas X and Lizzo have kind of, like, blasted through the scene and how we think of genres, and especially Lil Nas X, as I've talked about before, in terms of his country overlapping. So I'm not going to say that either one of them should win both, but it would be really cool to see. I do think, though, uh, in terms of best new artist, it'll probably be Billie Eilish. That's that's my guess. Um, which would be fine. I'm okay with that. But I do think that Lizzo would be a better choice. That's just me, though. And then song of the year. So this is an interesting one. Taylor Swift was not nominated in any of the other general categories. She was nominated for a couple things in pop and country, but she has been nominated for Song of the Year uh, three times, and she's won 10 Grammys, but she's never won for that. So I'm kind of curious, like, is this girl making like a bingo card for the Grammys? Does she have like a giant thing in her backyard where she just like puts her little trophies on it and she's trying to like get some sort of a five in a row thing? I don't know what she's doing. I don't think that she's I don't know why she has 10 Grammys. I don't, I don't know who decided that because she's really not the best. Um, but again, this is my point about how who should win and who will win are not always the same people. Moving on to pop, there are four categories, four chances for awards, which I noticed as I looked through all of the big genres pretty much have like a standard four to five chances to win and a lot of the same people are nominated within their subset. Um, I also thought it was very interesting that they have a category called Roots, which encompasses Americana, Bluegrass, Blues, Folk, and Regional Roots, which I did not even know was a thing, to be honest. So that's just a little fun fact there. But um, in pop, again, I gripe about Ariana. The nominations were absolutely stacked for her. Uh, so she's probably going to go home with at least one or two, I mean, just in terms of odds, which, like, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm not happy with her getting one, but that's just me. Um, the same is true for Beyonce, though. She actually was in a few different genres, a uh, few different awards and options there, but she actually deserves it, so if she won something, that would be nice. I really think that she has a strong chance for um, Best Musical Film with Lemonade. That was the definite standout against all the other music films, so 
I'm really, really pulling for her on that one. Um, the rock category was kind of sad, to be honest, because I used to listen to a lot of rock myself, but it seems like I, along with everyone else uh, on the scene, have kind of moved on to different things, and it's just not as popular as it once was. It, it, even breaking down into alternative, indie, straight, you know, standard rock, uh, what else is there? Adult contemporary shit like that, you know? It's just not hopping. Five to ten years ago, if you looked at a Grammys list of rock, especially, I would say, thinking ten years ago is now 2010. 2008, 2009 was like prime time for some alternatives. You know, you had the Strokes were about to be like really, really big then. You had Arctic Monkeys going crazy. You had um what else i listened to in middle school <laughs> uh cold war kids you had um was the vultures i'm pretty sure the white stripes might have still been making music back then so like yeah rock is, is not what it used to be which is sad um pretty much everybody in that category was what i would consider a lesser known uh, specifically to the mainstream but uh, that actually could be a good thing. Maybe someone deserving will end up in that situation. Um, I do think, though, that Tool will get the best metal performance. And I thought that was kind of interesting, that uh, metal got kind of like lumped in with the rest of rock, because that's something that breaks off into a lot of subgenres. And then they had Bring Me the Horizon in there, which I didn't, I didn't even think they were good when they were really big, so I don't know how that happened. I also have a theory that Harmony Hall by Vampire Weekend will be the best song in the rock category. Alternative only gives out one award, so like, why break away alternative but not break away metal? I don't know, there's weird choices here. Vampire Weekend was considered both rock and alternative, which makes sense, and they were in the general, so the odds are looking pretty good for them. Um, I, I do have a feeling though that, I don't know, Bon Iver, Bon Iver, I don't, however you want to say it, I think he's probably going to end up overtaking Vampire Weekend because his album was I, I uh, was apparently nominated a bunch of times and I didn't even know he put out an album. And then we have R&B, Urban Contemporary is a part of R&B. I was kind of curious what is urban contemporary? Like, what exactly does that even mean? Apparently, it was a phrase developed on radio in the late 70s, which makes sense because it seems like a pretty obviously dated phrase. It essentially um, kind of puts rap and hip-hop all in the same boat. There are really, really strong people representing in the R&B section, which makes me very happy because that's, I would say, like many other people, the majority of what I listen to now. So we have Anderson Pop featuring Andre 3000. I really, really hope that they win. BJ and the Chicago Kid and LMI, who is very underrated in my opinion. And then rap. The rap category has been really weird over the years. The choices of who to include and who not to include and where they decide to put people on the map. Um, it usually ends up becoming a letdown because of bad judgment on behalf of the voters. 
rapid fire. Here are my hopes. I'm going to give you just everybody in the rap category because if you happen to read my column, you would know that I care a good bit about this particular type of music. So for best rap performance, again, I'm going to reiterate, these are not the people that I think will win. These are the people that I think should win. So for best rap performance, I'm going to go with Down Bad, which was made by Dreamville featuring J.I.D., Boss, J. Cole, Earth Gang, and Young Nudie. For best rap slash song performance, I am pulling for Higher by DJ Khaled featuring Nipsey and John Legend. For song, I'm going with A Lot by J. Cole because I am just obsessed with that song. It's very relevant to my life at certain times and I love J. Cole and if you haven't heard it, look it up because it's beautiful. And for best rap album, I'm kind of, I'm stuck between two, but I'm going to say my top hope because again, the people that were nominated for the best rap album of the entirety of 2019 I was like, I don't understand what's what's happening here. Um, we've got Revenge of the Dreamers 3 by Dreamville, Championships by Meek Mill, I Am Greater Than I Was by 21 Savage, Igor by Tyler the Creator, and The Lost Boy by YBN Corday. And I will admit, I haven't heard all of those albums. I don't necessarily have a problem with them. I don't love Meek Mill. I'll put that on note. But um, I just think that there were a lot of other people that made a lot of really great stuff that could have been highlighted too. So I'm just going to go ahead and be biased to my favorite artist out of all of those people and say that I'm hoping for Igor by Tyler the Creator because I, I ironically that I say that because I gave it a very lukewarm review, but I do think that he's doing some really interesting stuff right now and he's really coming into his own. It's been interesting to see the metamorphosis of his career and how he's not afraid to push the boundaries um, in, in a lot of ways. Also having re-listened to it since reviewing it and uh, listening to a few deep dives where they really get into the technical stuff of it, I've kind of realized like exactly how deep the production goes on that whole album. Tyler's love for movies and composition is really apparent in that record. You can hear that he is thinking about every single sound and there's a lot of layers there. So that is my take. My rapid fire 2020 Grammys. Hats off to everybody except for Ariana Grande. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I will concede if she is victorious. But that's that for that. I hope I have either gained some, uh, some lovers or some haters. I would love to have some emails in the shortfusepodcast at gmail.com telling me what a genius and or piece of shit I am. Uh, what I do or do not know anything about <laughs> getting into a real rowdy debate so when the results come out I can have uh, some more voices to add to my 
one little voice here in Somerville Media Center. world what's some stuff you can do around this town I'm gonna tell you the Boston Festival of Films from Iran which is crazy topical now so if it wasn't worth it before it's 17 times more worth it now to go check that one out at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston 
in the good old Fenway neighborhood. Iran is renowned for producing some of the most spectacular and groundbreaking films in the world. Showtimes and complete descriptions can be found on the Museum of Fine Arts website, but January 24th, they will be featuring two films, one at 5.30 and one at 7.30. Oh, and they, they will be showing them again on January 25th and 26th. Look at this. Lucky you. All right. Untimely and Orange Days. And on January 26th, there's also a film called Old Men Never Die. So it sounds like that has a, a movie for everybody. I don't know what's going on there, but the mystery makes it all that more alluring, doesn't it? So we also have finally a close to the installation at the ICA Boston that I've been letting you know about recently. When Home Won't Let You Stay, Migration Through Contemporary Art. That is in the seaport. And the last day to check this out is on January 26th. So, borrowing its name from Somali British poet Warsan Shire's poem, Home, this exhibit presents work by 20 artists from a myriad of countries on the subject of migration and displacement. Currently witnessing the global movement of peoples on an unparalleled historical scale, artists like Kader Atia, Tania Bruguera, and Rina Saini Kalat respond to this exodus with highly diverse art, from poetic meditations to detailed individual accounts. I'm sorry to those incredible artists for butchering their names. I'm sure I did. Another one that's still going to be around for a while is the uh, Human Impact Stories of the Opioid Epidemic. If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to last week's show. And the same is true for Yayoi Kusama, Love is Calling, which is also at the ICA Boston. But that's going to be there until 2021, so you got plenty of time. The Photo Revolution, the Andy Warhol um, to Cindy Sherman, at the Worcester Art Museum is ending in February, so I really need to go to that so I can tell you all about it. I've also mentioned that on a previous episode if you'd like more information. And a new one. This is interesting. This is a permanent site-specific structure that has been built in Lincoln, 51 Sandy Pond Road in Lincoln, Massachusetts. We have Andy Goldsworthy, the watershed, which is at the De Cordova Sculpture Park and Museum. So, this permanent site-specific structure is installed in a hillside near the museum and pays structural homage to the homogenous architectural style of New England. That sounds so cool. There's also an Arts Views review by Mark Faberman. So, if you go to the website and you type in Watershed Mysterious Simplicity, I might read it on air in a future date. Next week's episode, which will be our Valentine's Day theme, I can't imagine that Matt and Lucas would have made such a show when they were uh, hosting but I thought it would be fun. It's a bit of an aside to the magazine, but 
I'm sure still a topic that many of our writers could absolutely relate to, which is creative relationships. What is it like to be with someone who has the passion for the arts, whatever the arts may be? We are going to have very special guests, which include my main man, hubs of a very baby amount of time of about a year and a half. Well, we're, we're getting close to two. We're almost there. But that kid is a creative writer. He is studying creative writing. He has been writing. He will continue to write, I hope. Some may not consider podcasting to be an art, but I would say it is. It's the communication arts, which is something that my spouse, not in common law, Anna Dollar, knows all about. In my opinion, she is an artist. She has been a excellent drawer slash painter as long as I've known her and she definitely appreciates the arts just as much as I do. Her boyfriend, his name is Dylas. He makes all of our intros and outros and transitions and has been on a couple featured songs. He is a very talented young musician. I don't even know what to... He makes all of his music by himself. So whatever you want to call that, he makes his own beats, he writes his own songs, he does it all. He's a one-man machine. So these four people will be talking about what it is like to be in a creative relationship. Does it affect at all? We will find out next week.